Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, the CEO of City Current, Jeremy Park. Higginbotham Insurance and Financial Services is proud to power the Changemakers podcast. We're a people-first company that protects what matters most, the families, businesses, and trailblazers that keep our community going. As one of the nation's top independent insurance firms, Higginbotham is a single-source solution for business insurance, employee benefits, HR services, and personal insurance that's customized for you. We're here to serve you, the people you care about, and your community. Call 866-377-1959 or visit Higginbotham.com. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, produced by City Current, powered by Higginbotham. I'm your host, Jeremy Park, and on this one, we're going to Fort Worth, Texas. We're talking commercial real estate, city building, innovation, philanthropy, and so much more. We're honored to be with Mike Berry. He's the president of Hillwood, the developer of Alliance Texas. He's also been inducted into the North Texas Commercial Real Estate Hall of Fame and the Fort Worth Business Hall of Fame. So we have a lot to talk about, but Mike, how are you doing? Jeremy, I'm doing great. So let's go ahead and dive in because the fun of this is we get to talk about your personal life, how you got into commercial real estate, talk all about the business side too, but let's start with a little bit of your childhood growing up in Fort Worth, Texas. Right. Well, Fort Worth's my hometown. I'm a, I'm a native Fort Worthian. I was born in uh, at Harris, what at that time was Harris Hospital. Uh, it's now Texas Health Resources. Grew up here. Uh, my family, fortunately, it's most of my family is still here. All of my my siblings live in Fort Worth, and now all of my children and grandchildren live in Fort Worth. So I'm, you know, very very fortunate to have been part of a third generation Fort Worth family, and now I'm creating the the fourth generation. When you look at growing up, some of the traditions, obviously, like the Joe T. Garcia's, the stockyards, give us some of your favorite traditions growing up for you and your family. Well, Joe T.'s was absolutely a family tradition for us and still is to this to this day. Uh, we're regular Joe T. Garcia's attendees. And as a matter of fact, our fam- my mother-in-law is one of the Lightheart daughter's godmother. So we sort of have a special access system at Joe T's. Uh, when we want to go as a big family group, we can kind of bypass the, the normal channels and we can usually get a table easier than a lot of people can. Um, but I think the other thing that's most memorable and we're coming up on uh, stock show and rodeo season is growing up uh, around the Fort Worth stock show and rodeo. That's still, you know, that's a huge part of Fort Worth's brand, its history and its economy. And, you know, those are some of the greatest memories I have year in, year out, going to the rodeo and stock show. My grandfather was a, you know, a big stock show board member for years. And uh, so that got me uh, engaged. And now I'm following in his footsteps. I'm on the board of the, the stock show rodeo and just, you know, absolutely love it. I think it, it really is one of those differentiating factors, one of the many differentiators for full war that's still allows us to keep the Western heritage, but also uh, do it with a little bit of modern, modern flair. 
when you look at your time at Vanderbilt, and so we'll switch over to Nashville, because you you met someone in particular there, but uh, give us a little bit of the story of going to Vanderbilt. I left, uh, I'll go back to Fort Worth. I, I went to school in Fort Worth through the ninth grade. And then you know, my father, for a number of reasons, wanted me to broaden my horizons. And he had gone to Washington Lee University of Virginia. And he loved that part of the country, even though he was a native Texan also. And he encouraged me to to explore the idea of going away to school, which I ended up doing, and I ended up going to a school in Alexandria, Virginia, Episcopal High School. And so that sort of opened my eyes to, you know, the rest of the country and areas outside Texas, and I made a lot of friends from all over the Southeast. And when it came, when we got to be senior year, uh, Vanderbilt popped up and, and it's one of the schools that you know, everybody was talking about, and it was you know, high academic standards, but also still very much a Southern uh, university. Uh, so that was one of several schools I applied to, and you know, miraculously I was accepted. And I went there with the mindset of, of going pre-med because I thought ultimately I wanted to go to medical school. And I got to Vanderbilt, and yeah, I got sort of sucked in with the fraternity life and the social life, and Still studied, and I graduated on time, but I had a lot of fun, and uh, I met uh, Ross Perot Jr., who we have now worked together for over 35 years, uh, but I met him. Uh, he was a year behind me. We actually rushed him into our fraternity, and that's how I met him. He is from Dallas. I was from Fort Worth, but we had never met, so we became officers uh, of the fraternity, and we worked together uh, on a number of things and became friends, but you would have never put he and I in the same sort of business. Uh, you would have never expected us to be in the second, to be in the same business together at that time, but it's it's worked out, worked out amazingly well. Talk about the inspiration to get into commercial real estate because it starts with your grandfather. Right. So back to my roots in Fort Worth, my grandfather um, went to work when he came to Fort Worth, he actually came here uh, at the request of a man named Jesse Jones, who was a Houston-based real estate developer and philanthropist. And Mr. Jones decided Fort Worth was a great growth opportunity. So he started to build real estate projects in Fort Worth and actually office buildings in downtown Fort Worth. He was really one of the early developers of, of downtown Fort Worth, and my grandfather was his you know, business person here in Fort Worth had project management responsibility and property management responsibility. So as I was growing up, we would go downtown. My grandfather and I would go downtown every Saturday morning and we would walk the streets of downtown and we would check on all the buildings and, you know, he would open the mail and it was, it was just sort of part of our uh, weekly routine. And that, you don't realize it when you're young, how things are how things are going to you know work their way into your DNA and what the impressions are that are actually being made. But I, you know, from that point forward in my life, I always was interested in building and development and real estate. Although I never really knew that I was until I came back from Vanderbilt. But that was in 1980. 
uh, and I came back after graduating from Vanderbilt, came back to enroll in the uh, uh, master's MBA program at CCU. And at that time, Dallas-Fort Worth was exploding. Uh, that was, you know, five years after DFW Airport had opened. That was sort of in the boom days of Trammell Crow and Lincoln and high-rise development in downtown Dallas and even downtown Fort Worth. And it was all around. So I sort of reignited uh, my interest and passion in construction and real estate development and that's sort of how I started uh, uh, getting involved in it and took my MBA program and turned that into an internship with a major real estate developer here in Dallas-Fort Worth. It's Ray Hutt, Woodbine Development. Mr. Hutt was, you know, a very accomplished civic leader and oil man and, this, and real estate developer. And I got lucky and they hired me to help them with some projects that were working on the Fort Worth because I had REITs in Fort Worth and that turned into a part-time job during graduate school, which turned into a full-time job when I graduated, which then began to give me the experience that at the time Ross decided to start development with Alliance Airport. Um, you know, I had five or six years of real estate experience under my belt. So that's that's what brought us back to Gill. Let's go ahead and switch over because that's a, a natural play over into Alliance Airport and obviously Alliance Texas. And so talk about those beginning stages because when you talk about, you know, really the vision and having to sell people on the vision and ultimately now what it's become, it's a, a huge not only economic impact for the region, but you know, the very first days of trying to sell the vision. So talk about those very early days of selling the vision of this. Well, but before I came on board, uh, Ross, would, I was here in Fort Worth uh, running the, the projects for Woodbine, and he was flying jets in the Air Force Reserve at Carswell Air Force Base in West Fort Worth, what is now Joint Reserve Base. So when he would finish his flight duty, he would come to my office. And during that time, he and his father, Ross Grove Sr., had been taking an interest in Fort Worth and had started to assemble pieces of land north of downtown Fort Worth. And so he would come to get my opinion on land development and land values. And, and so we talked over a period of months. He would stop by pretty regularly. And then... Um, this idea that really started with the FAA to put an airport north of Fort Worth uh, started to emerge, and he was sort of a leader in it because they had acquired all this land and it was a logical place for the airport. So he started talking to me about building this airport, and I thought, well, that's pretty crazy. You know, building an airport from scratch in the middle of a wheat field north of Fort Worth just it hadn't been really done before, so it's hard for me to get my arms around it. But he was pretty persistent. He said, look, we're going to do a big real estate development around the airport. We're going to make this an industrial project. We're going to try to attract aviation companies and other manufacturing companies around this airport and use it as a as a distribution center. And um, I said, well, Ross, I don't know anything about airports or aviation. I know a little bit about real estate development, but... Anyway, after several months, he convinced me to join 
And uh, my first day on the job was the day we literally broke ground on the runway, which was the first piece of infrastructure we built. And there was nothing, I mean, literally nothing around us. Uh, so as we were building this runway, we're out there trying to bring people in to see it. And we're waving our hands and we're saying, this is the center line of the airport and factories are going to line the, the runways and goods are going to be flying in. And people would look at us, they roll their eyes. I mean, they literally thought we were, we were off the reservation. But you know, slowly but surely, we started to get some traction. And I think the big thing that put us on the map was when American Airlines just announced that they were going to build their $500 million maintenance, new maintenance hub on Alliance Airport. And all of a sudden, people said, wow, that's a pretty big commitment from a major global player on a green field site, maybe there's more to it. And from there, we just sort of slowly built the story and we began to attract other companies and build more infrastructure and open up more of the land. And slowly but surely, the idea of this industrial airport expanded into more of a totally integrated inland port uh, and logistics hub. Uh, and that included bringing in rail and highway to the site so, you know, fast forward 35 years later, it's, it's a major economic engine for North Texas. There's over $111 billion of, of total cumulative economic impact, 66,000 people working on the site every day, over 60 million square feet, 560 companies representing all kinds of industry. Um, but it all goes back to the airport as the, as the core. And really... It goes to Ross's vision and passion to, you know, do something truly pioneering. We've obviously been talking about Hillwood, but go ahead. When you are talking about Hillwood, the work you do, especially even Hillwood Urban, dive into Hillwood. Okay. We're from Alliance. Alliance became really our incubator for the growth of everything we've done uh, over the, the, the life of, of the company. When we started the airport development, we had we realized we had to have housing nearby to attract the jobs. So we created a uh, single-family lot development business, and we started developing some of our land for lot development. And um, that, in turn, was very successful and allowed open up other opportunities. So we've now grown our master plan community business into the largest lot developer in North Texas, and we're now in five different states, although Texas is still our, our certainly our, our home base uh, and where most of our projects are. Same on the industrial, as we learned, as we began to develop industrial and learned about logistics and supply chain and distribution from Alliance, we saw opportunities in other markets, and our clients would come to us and say, can you build, we've done a great job here in Dallas will work or Fort Worth and Alliance. Can you do something for us in California? So we began to follow our clients and we're now in 47 different states building industrial projects around the country. We're in uh, Germany and Poland uh, and the UK uh, doing the same thing. So, so that really helped us launch that business. Uh, and then you mentioned Hillwood Urban. Our urban development team is very unique. 
urban development's hard, and you know it's very different from doing large-scale suburban development. But we, we put together a team years ago when we developed the Victory Project in downtown Dallas. And you may know something about Victory. It, 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 the, the first piece of the Victory development was the American Airlines Center. So we were the developer of the American Airlines Center, which included, when we began the construction of that project, we had acquired 65 acres of Roundel, and we had to do a massive brownfield reclamation project. So that brought that 65 acres into development. The, the Victory, the American Airlines Center was the centerpiece. And fast forward 20 years, it's now changed the, the urban facade of really downtown and uptown Dallas. So we learned a lot from there, and we're now expanding that that program uh, by working on some other major uh, office and mixed-use developments, uh, both in Dallas and, and around the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, area with the team that Del Victory. You mentioned learning a lot, so let's talk about uh, some of the lessons on your end, and let's let's go back and start with your grandfather. I know in your home office you've got memorabilia and items that have special meaning tied to your grandfather. Talk about some of the lessons, some of the things that, you know, those lessons that kind of permeate who you are today, and then some of the others who've been mentors for you. What are some of those major lessons and major, you know, things that you've been able to take from others who make you who you are today? Well, I would say as far as the influence that my grandfather and my father had on me, and and I've tried to carry that forward in my my life and certainly my business career is it, it's all about relationships. You know, business is really no matter what business you're in, but especially my business, it's about building relationships and and then keeping those relationships over a long period of time. Uh, they were great at it, and I watched them do it, and so I've made that a real key part of uh, the way I try to to operate in business and make sure that I build those relationships. And and in order to keep those relationships, you've got to do things with the highest standards of integrity. And they certainly were models uh, for me in, in that regard. And then, you know, other people influenced me with the same sorts of things. You know, Mayor Bob Bowen was a great mentor to me. He was the longtime mayor of the city of Fort Worth back in the 80s. In early 90s, we started Alliance, and Alliance really wouldn't have happened had it not been for his leadership. Two things he told me during the years that we had a relationship together. His big line was, lead it better than you found it. And so I think that's something that has stuck with me throughout the years. And the, the approach that we take to the real estate development business is always lead it better than you found it, build quality put in the maintenance provisions and the protections that allow our developments and our properties to continue to add value to the community that they're around for many, many years. Uh, that's certainly one thing. Another, what we were talking politics one time, and he was a Republican, you know, conservative mayor, but back then, you know, partisan politics and at the local level were not, were not an issue. Uh, and he told me one time, he said, Mike, I'm 80% Republican, but most of the time, but some of the time I'm 40% Democrat. And, you know, I thought about that and uh, it says a lot about 
why he was such a successful leader and why we need more of that leadership style today. I think you got to listen to more than one side of an issue. And, you know, that was a, that was a, a huge, he was a huge influencer and mentor to him. So, you know, those are just some examples of, of grandfather, father, Marabola, uh, people that I've been blessed to be around and learned a lot from. I try to carry those, carry those forward. Talk about your mindset going into a project because there's a lot to balance. You've got to balance, obviously, the budget, the vision, the politics, the relationships, just like you were talking about earlier. All of those pieces to bring something special together to leave it better than it was before. So talk about your mindset going into a project. Uh, you know, our business is fairly, it's, it's really a simple business when you strip it down to its basics, but it's very complex in that regard, uh, in that you have to bring a lot of things together to execute uh, a project. So, yeah, I think rule number one is always surround yourself with a lot of talented people. Once again, in the development business, you, because there, there's a lot of technical and then there's also a lot of soft skills required, no one can really single-handedly bring all that to the table. So the, the biggest, in any project, you kind of look at, okay, what are we what are we trying to develop? What's unique about it? How do the market factors influence this? And you go handpick the best people to execute that particular project. And it's not always the same team on every deal. You really try to custom custom build your team based upon what what the project is all about and what you're trying to achieve. And I think the other thing and sort of embedded in that is don't try to be the smartest person in the room. Certainly that is my philosophy. And even though I'm leading the organization, I really work on trying to listen more than I speak. I mean, back in my earlier years of management, I probably talked maybe more than I, than I listened, but over time, you've become, uh, you know, if you're trying to really be a good leader and trying to bring everybody together and be a good team builder, you need to be, you need to be listening to others, rules as opposed to to trying to to force you on. So, those are things that I think about uh, and try to build put into practice when we're when we're approaching a project. And then there's a whole series of technical things that you have to. Put together all the way from planning a site to building the infrastructure to designing the building to financing the building and then leasing the building and then managing the building so it's a it's a you know people don't know this about our or don't think about this about our business but the real estate development business may be and probably is the most regulated industry of of all industries we we from the time you buy a piece of land all the way through the process there is a public approval every step of the way you have to get the property zone that's subject to public hearings and public votes by the city council and everybody in the community has a chance to take a shot at you or your zoning case and then when you have to plant the property, which puts it into formal development, you've got to go through another public process. And that has to be approved in the public venue. 
And then your plans have to be approved. Then you have to get a permit for everything you do every step of the way. And then while you're building, you have to be inspected every step of the way. I mean, at the end, you have to get a certificate of occupancy. And most people don't think of that. They think about, you know, oh, the developers just rolling through town and, you know, just blowing through everything. But but really, it is a very highly, highly regulated industry. Yeah, I never really thought about it in those terms, in terms of the complexity, but then to your point, like all the public, you know, facing piece of the equation to be able to bring a project to fruition. What are some of the trends, challenges, opportunities? When you look at commercial real estate as an industry, some of the things that excite you or keep you up at night, what what would you say or, you know, kind of where things are headed? What are what are either some of the newer developments or some of the things that really excite you? within the commercial real estate industry? Well, not to, not to go negative, but I'll start with a negative example, and then I'll go, I'll go positive. As we all know, COVID had a massive impact on the, the workplace, particularly the office workplace. And since, you know, everybody went remote for whatever period of time they went remote, um, and every company had to deal with this work from home. We, we still haven't figured that out. And as a result, there's a, a truly, for the first time in my career, there's a real structural change that has occurred in the office asset class. And it's created a, a lot of obsolescence. So there are buildings all across this country that will never have a future life as an office, a, a vibrant office building. Um, and so the repurposing of those of that real estate in the millions and may tens of millions of square feet, you know, has still yet to be yet to be dealt with. Um, so that's kind of one. And then and then in terms of new office development, most companies have still not really figured out what they look like ten years from now from a from a bricks and mortar standpoint. So it sort of put this this stop. Every, everything's at a pause until companies can really figure out what do I need? What is, what is my workplace environment that will look like? How am I going to recruit people? But, you know, talent's already a premium, but how am I going to differentiate myself from others by creating this environment that will, will get people back to work and back to an environment where they can engage? So that's a real you know, we're going to be, stu- all of us are going to be studying that and watching it and trying to figure it out over the next many years. But it, but it's a massive shift that is going to have a lot of, a lot of ripple effects. So sort of trends going forward um, that are not caused by negative things. Uh, we are very engaged right now in a mobility innovation in- initiative, particularly looking at, because we're heavy freight, logistics supply chain people were focused on the freight side but the movement of goods is going to continue to change and and the sort of this growth in autonomy and autonomous truck solutions and drone solutions and other robotic solutions anything that can allow goods to be produced packaged and moved more efficiently is something that's going to affect, you know, the entire built environment. You're going to have to redesign buildings to accommodate these, these new technologies. 
So we're studying that a lot. We've created a mobility innovation zone, an alliance, and we're attracting, we're working with companies and bringing companies in who are developing some of these new technologies to move freight more efficiently and letting them basically practice. It's a giant laboratory with 26,000 acres with, you know, literally thousands of containers of goods moving through it every day. What a great place to test new technologies for freight efficiency and freight mobility. So, you know, that's something that we're, we're very committed to. We believe it's going to change our industry. Uh, certainly it's going to change the, the global supply chain. And so we want to be part of it. Uh, we're spending a lot of time there. Uh, also sort of off of that, we created a venture capital arm. So we're not only trying to bring companies in and work with them and let them test, but we're also buying, trying to find companies that we can actually invest in, uh, and participate in them, you know, in their, in their growth from a, from an investment standpoint. This will switch us over into the philanthropy, but for Fort Worth, Fort Worth recently named as the fastest growing city in America. And so when you look at, you know, being bullish and being excited about the future of Fort Worth, what makes you excited about the future of Fort Worth? Well, it, you know, we're, it's kind of a, a long time coming, but Fort Worth is finally developing its brand and its identity in multiple areas, not just, you know, being tagged as the fastest growing city in the population numbers, but people are starting to look at the, econ the unique sort of economic diversity and climate of Fort Worth. You think about it, you know, our core industries, oil and gas is still a big, big part of our local economy. The bits and aerospace is a huge part. I mean, Lockheed is here and they're building the F-35, the most sophisticated fighter aircraft in the world. Bell helicopter, now known as Bell, you know, they just won a huge award for the Army the helicopter of the future. And they're a huge part of our economy, two major defense players. And so all of the suppliers and, and ecosystem that gets built up around Bell is a big growth area for us. Uh, we're sort of sneaking up as a major healthcare and medical center. Uh, you've got some of the best hospitals in the region anchored here and now you're beginning to bring industry in around them at TCU's building a medical school right in the middle of our medical district all of which will attract more research more medical related industry manufacturing etc outcomes here so that's a another piece of our economy that's just it makes this a very balanced business environment so just the, the opportunity to build off of that economic foundation would get anybody excited. And then I think that, you know, the, the other pieces, the unique pieces of Fort Worth, that given its brand, um, like the stockyards and the growth in the stockyards is amazing. You, you know, you've seen it recently, but it's unbelievable. And the investment that's continuing to go in the stockyards by the Hickman family and Majestic and you know, building off of the Drover Hotel and all the restaurants that are there, it's, it's, it's awesome. And now we have new massive development in our cultural district around the museums, which already were world-class, but now you've got two five-star hotels that just recently opened right in the cultural district. You've got Dickey's Arena, which is a killer venue, and, and the, the, the 
events that have kind of been taking just since it's been opened over the last couple of years have been incredible. And then you got TCU, you know, right in the heart of our city, which is arguably one of the most popular private universities in the country right now. I'm, I'm very involved there. I'm on the board of trustees and, you know, our applications to spots available to accept, it's like, we're like 12 to 1. So there's just a lot of momentum uh, coming from all different angles. And then you later on top of that, DFW Airport, now the second busiest airport in the country, and having Dallas as our neighbor and I'm being a market of 8 million people, it's pretty easy to get, you know, to look at all of that, roll all that up, and it'd be pretty pretty bullish on future investment in Fort Worth and future growth out. Absolutely. Let's play off of you being on the board with TCU, the Board of Trustees. So why is community service? Why is the, the you know, being involved in the community, why is that so important to you personally and professionally? Well, I think, first of all, business leaders can get, you know, so focused on their business and so focused on their profitability or whatever they're they're working on, they forget that you got to take care of your home base. Your the people that work for you live whether you're whether you make your money in Fort Worth or not, you live there, your employees live there, and the economic vibrancy of your community and the quality of life for your people is absolutely directly related to your bottom line. So I've always believed that. My great back to my grandfather again, he was a huge civic booster. I mean, that was just he believed that you've got to have a strong city. And the only way to really do that is you got to have business leading civic and nonprofit and philanthropic opportunities. Um, and then the rest of the community hopefully follows the lead. So it just, you know, it's been ingrained in me forever, but I believe it more now than than ever. And um, especially in a community that's fast growing, like Fort Worth, where you really need to get, you, you got to address a lot of needs. And um, I think that the best way to do that is to have business stepping out front. So, you know, we're, we, we try to be leaders in a number of areas of, of the city, you know, chamber of commerce, economic development initiatives we're, we're big supporters of veterans and 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 the whole military community is critical uh and and Fort Worth one of the largest has one of the largest concentrations of military veterans uh in the country uh so you know you got to support them that we believe heavily in that and it, it's you know it just needs to be part of your commitment to the community you live in well, you and I had a chance to work together on the Folds of Honor event, which was a give back. Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney was the speaker. And so it was, you know, amazing to be able to partner Hillwood and Higginbotham to create this opportunity to honor veterans, just like you're talking about, and to give back in a powerful way to Folds of Honor. And so seeing it firsthand um, and being a part of that experience was powerful. And so carry that into, and it can be specific like that, or it can be more general, but how has being involved, how has working with nonprofits, how has that made you a better leader and a better person? Well, I think that, you know, the maybe the first part of the answer would be 
you have a better understanding of, of critical areas of need, which, you know, as a business person, you know, we part of our, our role is to try to fix problems, but also to understand what the underlying cause of the problems are. And so whether you're, whether you're focused on homeless or whether you're focused on helping uh, veterans who are battling uh, challenges with, you know, with wartime experiences or whether you're, you're working with children who, who need more support for their education. You know, I think you, the more you understand what's driving those problems and the more you can apply your business solutions, whether that be just financial resources or whether that be actually rolling up your sleeves and trying to help create a better, a better process or a better system. Um, I think that the, the combination of all those experiences and that knowledge helps you do a better job of leading your overall community and and um, having a positive in, impact. I mean, you can't really have a positive impact on your community if you really don't know what, what the weaknesses are. It's easy to gravitate to the strengths, but you got to know what your weaknesses are, and you got to use your expertise to to try to apply fixings to those areas. So, you know, I don't know if that's a really clear answer to your question, but I think you, you become a better community leader and you become a better supporter of, of your fellow man if you get in there and roll your sleeves up and kind of figure out what other people what other people's needs are. Absolutely. Here's your chance to, you know, kind of name drop a nonprofit, but uh, what's what's a nonprofit, a recent experience that can be with you, your family, your team? What's one that puts a smile on your face when you look at uh, being able to serve and make a difference? Well, I have a lot. I mean, you mentioned Folds of Honor. I I had to say uh, that was a real eye-opener for me. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about Folds of Honor, and Rusty Reed and I were both approached together to support that organization. And when you hear the story of the young people who were impacted positively by the support of Folds of Honor and the fact that you know, they were unfortunately left behind, but were given the support from an organization like Folds of Honor to complete their education. And then they've gone on to amazingly productive roles in society. That's, that's pretty gratifying. And so I'm, you know, we're, we've done multiple things with Folds of Honor. We're going to continue to support them. I, I, you know, we love Cook Children's Hospital and Airport Work. They're, you know, an incredible uh, organization that does amazing work uh, with kids who are inflicted with all kinds of challenging uh, illnesses. So those are a couple that I I really like. I I, mean, I mentioned TCU. I you know some people wouldn't throw TCU necessarily in the charitable category, but it's a huge you know it's a nonprofit institution that is a huge part of our community and it has so much impact. Uh, so I'm I'm very committed committed to that, and then you know the economic development arena. I've uh, been spending a lot of time with the Chamber of Commerce and the Fort Worth Economic Development Partnership uh, here over the last year, trying to help sort of boost our our uh, the role of our chamber and and, and our economic development uh, initiatives. Uh, so I I like to touch a lot of a lot of different things. 
Well, let's switch over and do a lightning round. So just, you know, fun, short questions, short answers, chance to get to know you better. What do you like to do to relax? Well, I haven't had much relaxed time lately. It's been a bit pretty crazy year, but we have a we have two places that we are kind of family retreats for us. We have a lake house nearby at Eagle Mountain Lake, which is just west of Fort Worth, and we built it for our entire family. So I love to go out there and you know with boats, and the water is very peaceful and it's just a beautiful environment. So I love to go out there and relax. And, you know, we might smoke a brisket while we're out there or maybe have a cold beer. It's pretty good. And then we also have a place in um, down on the Texas coast in Port Aransas, uh, which we also like to go to. My wife gets down there a little bit more than I do, but you've got fishing, you've got beach, you've got great restaurants, uh, and you've got sort of the ocean breeze and and it's it's you can you can unplug pretty pretty well down there i played a little golf but i'm not playing much lately so those are those are things that are good relax so outside of joe t's because i know that's an easy go-to in the stockyards when people come to visit from out of town where do you like to take them well that's uh I'm, i'm a little biased i'm an investor in two great restaurants in fort worth uh, one is named Grace and Grace in downtown Fort Worth, which Adam Jones, who used to run years ago, Del Frisco's, he started about 12 years ago. And I invested in Grace and I still think it's one of the best restaurants in Fort Worth. And then he just opened a new restaurant, really upscale, cool Italian restaurant called 61 Osteria. And so that's, you know, another spot that I free, I try to take people from out of town or you know, or special occasions. Uh, those are two of my two of my go-to spots. Where do you like to go outside of Texas? So when you're going on vacation, family vacation, where are your go-to spots? Uh, well, we just got back. I mean, I, I, I love to go to Europe. We don't go very, you know, every year, but uh, we just got back from a trip recently. Uh, we went and did, a, we've done three events. We've done three bike trips, like six-day biking with a company called Backroads. They organize everything. First, what we did was Croatia. It's If you haven't been to Croatia, I highly recommend it. Spectacular. Beautiful. Uh, then we did the Basque country in Spain. You start in Spain and you cross over the French border and you end up in France. Uh, but you're along the coastline. It's fabulous. And then this past year, we did Normandy. I've never been to Normandy before. So we did Normandy on bicycles, and you know Normandy is emotional and is emotional and historical and educational. But when you do it on a bike, you get a whole different perspective. Um, so you know that's not the same place, but those are the, these bike trips. I've become sort of addicted to them. They're they're amazing, and you can see different places around the world and around the country. So we're thinking about doing, um, we want to do a uh, Vermont, New Hampshire trip where we could see, go up and do it while the leaves are turning. I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, we're looking at a couple of others. We're actually looking at Vietnam and Thailand, too, to go do that one. Uh, that would be unique. Uh, I I've never been there. Uh, so I like to go, there's not one place outside of Texas. I, I like to I like to get a diverse uh, set of 
experiences. Yeah, I love it. So what's a fun date night for you and your wife? Uh, well, I mentioned, I hate to say this, I mentioned Grace in 61. I mean, we we will go to either one of those restaurants or just at the dinner with the two of us. And, you know, we'll go to the lake just for the weekend just to get away. You know, those are sort of our, uh, those are our. Yeah, our the go-to's. <laughs> what about a family tradition for you and your kids? And, you know, it can be around the holidays. What's a, a fun uh, family tradition? But, but we're, we're a huge football family. So we, you know, TC, well, throughout the entire football season, we go to all the TC games as a family. Uh, we go to the Cowboys games. We road trip uh, when TC was in the, the, so we grew up. Or one of my, if I didn't have boys, I had four girls. I sort of made my thing the the sport. I was going to be the sports dad. So we were Dallas Mavericks fans when they won the NBA championship. Went to a lot of games. We were Dallas Stars fans when they won the Stanley Cup. As I mentioned, we're big Cowboys fans. We have tickets. We're a big TCU fan of tickets. Um, so that's sort of our our thing uh around the holidays we're coming up on christmas we we do my wife's family we do it on christmas eve uh we play the light left game i don't know if you know about that but then you pass the gifts back and forth while somebody in the family reads the story and then you end up getting the mystery gift so we do that every year at thanksgiving we do the family uh what we call the turkey hobble so we do we celebrate Thanksgiving on Wednesday night, and then everybody reconvenes the following morning. And there's about 35 of us in, in our family, and we all go for a long walk, you know, around the neighborhoods, the, the hobble. And then after the hobble, we come back to the house and, you know, have a giant breakfast. So it's, you know, whatever, whatever pounds we worked off on the hobble, we you'll put them right back on. Uh, we got a lot of those little sort of, family traditions that we did when they are in Europe. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And then now you can also add the Texas Rangers, obviously, to that list. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I, gosh, I can't believe it. We were huge Rangers fans the first time around when they almost won the World Series. And then, you know, everybody kind of dissipated. We had to jump on the bandwagon at the very end this year. But that's a, you know, that's something we're, we're really enjoying. Well, for me, this is fun because it's like I have all these kind of same shared memories, you know, with my family because growing up in Fort Worth, it's like all these things, uh, you know, when you talk about the Cowboys, Rangers, Stars, like all of the Mavericks, uh, you know, really cool just experiences and to see them win the championships is awesome. So what's a, a quote or a saying that inspires you? You don't have to get it verbatim, but what's a, a favorite quote or saying that inspires you? Well, I think I've already, my favorite one is the one I've already mentioned, Mayor Boland's quote, leave it better than you found it. I mean, I think that of all the quotes that, that, you know, I carry around in my head, that's the one that sort of is the, that's the billboard. And I think that really sums up, you know, that's a great way to live your life because that, that has application to a lot of things. Absolutely. And that kind of carries into the next one of, you know, obviously you're working on your legacy every single day and you have a long way to go, but you know, many years from now, what do you hope that people say about you and your impact, especially in the Dallas Fort Worth area? You know, hopefully they'll, it, and we've talked about it 
a lot today off and on, but hopefully I'll be remembered as someone who is really committed to the betterment of the community, not just one part of the community, but but the overall. And I, I think the things that I've been involved in throughout my life here and my career sort of represent a pretty broad array of touch points. So I, you know, I hope maybe that's what I would be remembered for is, is you know, having a, a, a really broad impact uh, and not just one, one particular thing. Well, the last question is the easiest of all. Where do we go to follow Hillwood to carry this conversation forward? So website, where would you direct everyone to learn uh, about Hillwood? The big, the big website is www.hillwood.com. Uh, ben, you know, the, the Alliance story is embedded in there, but there's also a, a separate website, www.alliancetexas.com. Uh, and I think within those two, you could find out just about everything you would want to know about our entire organization, our entire global platform, and, and then all of the the unique things that we're working on around, around the Alliance uh, program. Well, Mike Berry, you are a change maker indeed. Honored to have you on the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for coming on the show. Jeremy, can't thank you enough. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you again in the near future. Higginbotham Insurance and Financial Services is proud to power the Changemakers podcast. We're a people-first company that protects what matters most, the families, businesses, and trailblazers that keep our community going. As one of the nation's top independent insurance firms, Higginbotham is a single-source solution for business insurance, employee benefits, HR services, and personal insurance that's customized for you. We're here to serve you, the people you care about, and your community. Call 866-377-1959 or visit Higginbotham.com. Thank you for listening to the Changemakers podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To learn more about our guests and share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com or follow us on social media using at citycurrent. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen. Now, think big, start small, and act now. Be a changemaker.